we had met at a community center in Veterans Park, and then we moved over to Plumosa Elementary School, and uh, we realized that there wasn't a Calvary Chapel in the area, and the work that Calvary was doing in Fort Lauderdale, uh, evangelism, discipleship, that had inspired us greatly, um, the work that started here. So we went through an affiliation process, and six years ago, we became Calvary Chapel Delray Beach. We've met at the elementary school, and um, most recently, our prayer has been simply this. We were given the vision of a community center, a church that would be uh, in the community and that we would be able to work with youth after school. Uh, we would be able to have uh, stuff for folks in recovery during the day, job searches, meetings, um, that we'd be able to work with the elderly. Um, and so that's something that we've been praying for. That vision was reignited uh, last February when I lost my job. Um, and at that time, we, uh, we started praying for the community center. And last Wednesday, you know, you know, we've told you that we've been praying for a story that only God could write. That at the end of the day, when people looked at Calvary Chapel, Delray Beach, that what they would see was something and they'd be able to say, only God could have done that. And that's what I've been praying for, but I realized during that prayer that it's already happened by looking at you all and looking at how he's changed hearts and lives. But then God went above and beyond, and this week we told you Wednesday we had submitted an offer for a 5,800-square-foot um, freestanding facility in Delray, and um, that offer was accepted. That offer was accepted, and... Um, you know, dates to come, um, but within the next few months, uh, prayerfully we'll be making a transition to a place where we're inviting you now more than ever. If you have talents, if you have gifts, if you have passions, that this would be a place where, if, hey, you want to come in and teach the community a cooking class, do that. Work with folks on their finances to help them get their finances. Stuff with parenting. Um, there's so many different things. The possibilities are endless. Uh, there's a beautiful playground, and um, this is something that only God can do. And, um, and we just wanted to share that with you today because, again, this is something, again, that this is only so it's something only God can do. I, I have no words for it. So let's pray for uh, what God's going to do here. Then we'll dismiss the kids. But, Father in heaven, we just love you. We thank you that you're in this place, Lord. We hear it in the singing already, God, that you, of course, you're here. You're always present. But when your children are gathered together, singing to you, pouring out our hearts in praise, and we are so thankful for this opportunity that is before us, Lord, and we want to be good stewards from it from the very beginning, God. We just want to um, cover this place in prayer because we realize that the church is not the place. It is not the building. It is never that. It is always the people. But the heart of this people, God, the heart of this very special family that you've brought together and have done so in your name to serve your purposes for your glory. We thank you, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This time we'd like to dismiss the kids. Please turn in your Bibles to John chapter 16. You can also find a place in Jeremiah. And you can also find a place in the book of Acts. So we've got John 16, Jeremiah 1, 
and Acts 7. John 16. And we'll start just a couple of verses before that in John today, verse 26, uh, chapter 15, verse 26. So we'll start reading at John 15, verse 26. And it reads like this. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. These things I've spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. And Heavenly Father, that same helper that is discussed in this passage is the one that came to dwell in us the moment we repented of our sins and received the gift of eternal life. And we pray as we study today that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us courage, that you would give us peace that you would convict our hearts as only you can. And at the end of the day, after God's people have been in God's word with God's spirit present, we would go out as they did in the book of Acts and the world would be turned upside down. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe you would agree it's hard to find good help these days. Would you agree? It's hard to find good help. So if you've gone into a local super center, and we're not going to mention any stores by name, we would not do that. But if you went into your local super center and there were 300 customers and three cashiers, all right, 300 customers and three cashiers, and you finally get on the line, you're looking at the lines, and you pick the one, and you think that this line is starting to move. All right, and so you get on this line, then as soon as it gets to you, right before you, the person in front of you, their card isn't working, or there's a price check, and now you're held up, and the cashier, when you finally get there, they don't want to be there, right? They're rolling their eyes, and they just do not want to be there because it's hard to find good help these days. Maybe it's been a customer service phone call, and all of these calls you know are recorded for quality assurance. That's right. All of these all of these calls are recorded for quality assurance, all right? And so <laughs> they start off wrong because as you call up the customer service line, you get a machine. And I don't know how many of you have done this, but if you've gotten frustrated, you say representative. <laughs> Represent, human being. Human being, I want to talk to someone, all right? And so you try to press the right buttons to get to the right place. You wait 15 minutes, and then you get to somebody that says, Oh, I'm sorry, you've called the wrong department. 
I'm going to have to transfer you over to this person. So now you're waiting for 15 or 20 more minutes. You get to this person. This person doesn't know what they're talking about. All right. Now they get you to somebody that does know what they're talking about, but they don't have the power nor the authority to help you. And so they send you to the person that has the power and the authority to help you. But unfortunately, they can't do that, what you want. And so it's hard to find good help these days. You're going to get your car oil changed. It's only $29.95 to get the wheels, to get the oil changed and everything like that. But after they check out your car, they come to you and you say, well, there are a couple of things wrong with it. Okay. And they hand you a list of 25 things. And now instead of the $29.95 oil change you went for, it's going to cost you $2,500. All right, more than the car is worth. Have you had that happen? Right? It's hard to find good help these days. All you did, all you, you just wanted some help. You went to the grocery store, you called customer service, you went to get your car fixed, and all you wanted was some help. But it's hard to find good help these days. That's why today's message is so very important, because we're promised help. And it's the perfect help. It's the help that we need. So the message is called help, because everybody that came in here today needs help. And if you came in here today thinking you don't need help, you really need help, okay? You know? So, so we all came in here today. We all came in needing help. Some of you are trying to navigate treacherous relational territory. Yes, you're trying to navigate treacherous relational territory. Some of you are in here today, and you have financial problems, and they're mounting, and you don't know what to do, and you just need some help. Some of you have physical problems. You have problems with your health. You need some help. And so the help that we're talking about today is the help that is promised from heaven. It's heavenly help, and it's the help that we all, at the end of the day, need through all our circumstances because we think we know the help we need. But there's nobody that knows the help you need like your Father. So today's message is simply titled, Help. And the first thing, we're going to make five points today. And as we look at verse 26, this is the first one, and it's a really simple one. It says, but when the Helper, and this is Jesus... He's talking to his disciples. He says, when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Stop right there. He doesn't say, if the helper comes. He doesn't say, there's a helper that might make it there. He might not make it there. He says what? He says, when the helper comes. Why does he say when the helper comes? Because this is a promise, and the promise is from God, and it brings us to the first point. And the first point is simple. You ready for it? It says, help is a promise made by one who never breaks his promises. Isn't that cool? Isn't it simple? Help is promised by somebody who is going to do exactly what he says he's going to do when he says he's going to do it, and he's not going to fail. Help is a, is a promise made by one who never breaks his promises. You have a book in your hands and this book in your hands, it's full of promises that God has made to his people that he has made good on invariably, perfectly. Do you know anybody that's kept their word perfectly? I don't. I don't. But I will tell you this, what I've learned over the years, is that when somebody gives their word and they keep their word, that helps us understand God better because he is the great promise keeper. And when somebody gives their word and they let you down, that creates a longing in your heart that only God can perfectly fill. 
Do you see how, again, it's a win-win? We have help that is promised. Sometimes, I'll be honest with you, I'll bear my heart from the pulpit. There have been moments that I said I was going to help someone and something happened that was beyond my control and I didn't show up. I I didn't call. But God has never done that. He's never done that. Not in the history. Again, this book is full of great stories where God says, listen, I'm going to be with you. Moses, when I'm going to send you before the Pharaoh, I'm going to send you before the Pharaoh, but I am going to be with you the whole time. And God never leaves him, despite the fact that the Pharaoh is going to release the children of Israel. Then he's not going to release the children of Israel. Then he's going to release them. Then he's not. God is with Moses the whole time. Right now, we're keeping an eye on Hurricane Irma. Yes? And in keeping an eye on Hurricane Irma, I think what you're seeing is this, is that we would really love for them to get a little bit more specific about the track so we know what we need to do. Wouldn't it be really cool if a forecaster would come on and say, hey, listen, I know 100% that you guys do not need to worry about this storm, or I know 100% that you guys do need to worry about this storm, start boarding up your houses. If they knew that, if they came on Channel 5 tomorrow with all the million-dollar equipment that they have, and they said, listen, this storm is coming your way, my guess is there wouldn't be a lot of people here today with a Category 4 possibly coming our way if they knew it was going to come. But as it stands, here's what the weather forecasters are able to do with all of this multi-million dollar equipment. They're able to say, it may rain today. It may not. (laughs) And all God's people said, welcome to South Florida, right? But if they had 100%, we see we've got a 100% promise keeper here. All right, if he says he's going to send help, He's going to send that help, so the help is on the way, and this is where our courage comes from, to operate in this world. Our courage comes from the fact that he has told us, he's given us promises that say, be strong and be courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed, for I am with you. I'm going to be with you. He's going to be with you. He promised to never leave us nor forsake us. Jesus said all authority in heaven and on earth had been given to him. Go. Go ye therefore. Make disciples. Teach them to obey everything that I commanded you. Jesus told us to do that, and he said, when he said it, and lo, I am with you, even unto the end of the age. He promised a helper. He said, we're going to have help to do this task, because I don't know about you, but I take a look at that task from Jesus to go into this world and make disciples, and I just say, how? How do I engage this hurting, rebellious, struggling world And yet everything we need is in his word and given to the Christian by the power of his Holy Spirit. Help has been promised. And I wonder if that's the help that you're relying on in your life on a daily basis. Do you rely on the fact that he promised to help you? Or when you get put in a a situation where you're struggling, do you revert back to the way that you used to do things? You're reversed back to the same attitude and the same actions that you used to take when, when the walls start closing in on you. When the help is promised, the help is promised if we would only open the book and look for it. You see, in God's sovereignty, he said, I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to give you understanding. I'm going to give you power. But in your responsibility, this is a book. You have to open it. And it's full of promises, wonderful promises, and the promises, the promises of help. He says, when the helper comes, when the helper comes. How do you like this one? Philippians 4.19 has been a big one for this, us this week. 
my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. For your needs right now, for the help that you need, are you dependent on him? Has he made you dependent? Have you been to that point in your life where things have had to be taken away in your life so that you would finally get dependent upon him and finally say, hey, listen, there's a promise. There's the promise of help, but I'm fighting things physically. I need to be fighting things spiritually, and there's help promised. Help is promised. So that's the first point. He also says in verse 26, when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And this will go to our second point. And that is that no one knows your needs better than the Helper. No one knows your needs better than the Helper. See where he says, I shall send to you from the Father. From God the Father, the one that number the hairs on your head. The Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will testify to me. The Spirit of truth who knows exactly what you need. That's the help that is being sent. So you think you need this, but God says, no, 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 no. You need this. This is what you need. You think you know what you need, but I know what you need. I was preparing this message last night, and I just had the most awesome conversation with my son. He came into the room, and I was battling with this point. And he came into the office and he said, I thought you were gone. I said, no, I'm studying. He said, what are you studying? I said, well, right now, I'm studying you. He said, you study me, Dad? I said, yeah, I study you. And I said, and here's what I know about you. I said, I know that you like Ninja Turtles. I said, I know your favorite Ninja Turtle is Leonardo. And I know that he's the one that's got the blue thing right across there. And I know that because of that, your favorite color is blue. I know that their favorite food is pizza, and I know that because of that, you like pizza, but you don't like it with the pepperoni like the Ninja Turtles do. I know you like Pokemon. I know you like Batman, because you like your dad. I know you do not like yellow cheese, because you like your dad. I know you like Superman. I, like, I know you like Space Mountain. I know you like playing on your iPad. I know you like swimming. And if I didn't say he hates yellow cheese, I'll say that one again, because he's like his dad, okay? But I know him. He's my boy. I study him. And then he looked at me and he said something really interesting. He said, but Jesus knows me better. <laughs> Pastor's kid. <laughs> he said, but Jesus knows me better. I said, you know what, son? I said, he knows what you're thinking all the time. I said, he knows the number of hair that you have on your head. He knows that, Dad. Yes, he does. He knows you. And he knows what situation you're in right now in your life. And he knows the help you need like no one else. I was listening to this video. I highly recommend it. Louis Giglio, it's called How Great Is Our God. And when he talks about how you are fearfully and wonderfully made, what he talks about, and I, I watch this video, and every single time I watch it, I'm like, God knows me like this, and it's crazy. I want to make sure that I get this right, that he says, <laughs> I should, because I went to nursing school and I took all the science classes, but Giglio says in his video, he says that one, you know, of course, which we know this, one cell from mom got together with one cell from dad, each carrying 23 chromosomes, merged into one single cell forming a new code that was three billion characters long. That is the story of you. That that one cell set out to build what you see right now. 
something that is wonderfully, fearfully made. And if you took these three billion characters, and if you tried to read one character per second, night and day, it would take you 96 years to read the script of who you are. And God did that. He put you together in your mother's room. That's why I want you to take a look at a quick verse. And we're not going to spend a lot of time here, so stay in John, but just flip over just for a moment to Jeremiah 1. When God calls the prophet Jeremiah... And I want you to just look at verse 5 as he's talking, as God is talking to Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, chapter 1, verse 5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Way back then he knew you. Way back then he knew you. So who knows your needs better than your God does? And you're in a situation right now and you're thinking, You've, you've got this whole thing worked out. You know exactly what should happen, how it should happen. And you've told God how it should work out. And how did that go? You told God, okay, this is the way that I think that my life should work out right now. And you've been planning things when God had a plan from your life from before time began. Before you, you here today, before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you. He knew your struggles. He knew what you would be battling with. You want to know what else he knew? He knew what your greatest need was going to be. You know what your greatest need was? Him. A Savior. He knew that that would be your greatest need. A Savior. So if he loved you enough, just go with me on this. If he loved you enough to meet your deepest need, and he knows you better than anyone else in this world knows you, Don't you think that he knows the help you need better than you might? It was a few years ago that I was, I wasn't going to nursing school yet, and I'm very grateful to God for this, but I was volunteering at a cancer ward, and I started having headaches, and I thought I was dying. I have a history of hypochondria in my family, <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, and so I had this pain that was shooting through my head, and I thought for sure that this was the end. I thought that this was it for me. And so they did x-rays. They did MRI. They did CAT scan, and they finally found out that the pain that was in my head was being caused by an infection in a tooth. It was being caused by an infection in the tooth. You understand that the dentist, through prescribing these tests, found something that I didn't know about. I thought I knew what I needed. I thought I knew what was wrong with me, and because I thought I knew what was wrong with me, I thought I knew what I needed. But instead, the dentist, because he could see things that I could not on the inside of me, because of that, he knew exactly what we needed to do. And all God's people said, root canal. All right? So it was a root canal at that moment. But that's how God God knows your need. He knows your deepest needs. Because that's the help that you're getting. See, when the helper comes from whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, he knows the truth of what you need, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Okay? So the help you're going to get 
is promised by one who always keeps his promises. The helper knows exactly what you need. Here's the third point. The helper testifies to us so he can testify through us. Okay, does that make sense? The helper testifies to us that he may testify through us. In other words, the help that you got from heaven, you didn't just get so you could just sit there and say, I feel good. I feel great. Thank you, God. Yes, we are to be grateful. But share the help that has been given you. If you've been thrown the life raft and you're on the ship, you take that life raft and you throw it out because the helper testifies to us so he can testify through us. You see, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit have had a perfect relationship from the beginning of time, perfectly submitted to one another. It's a perfect relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we've said it recently in church, because this is just the passage that we're studying, that Jesus was always pointing to the Father. And the Holy Spirit was always pointing to Jesus. So here's how to know if you're getting the help that you need from the Holy Spirit or not. Is it pointing to Jesus? Is the help that you're getting pointing to Jesus Christ? They work perfectly together. If any of you watch football, it's a sore subject for some. But I'll just use the game as an example, okay? The game of football gives a great example when you have a running back, and the running back has made this tremendous play. And then when the running back is interviewed, while the running back, well, a lot of the time what he does is he says, listen, I could have never made that run if not for my front line. So he points back to the front line. Well, the front line, when you interview them, what they do is they point to the quarterback, And the quarterback, what he does is he points to the offensive coordinator. And then the offensive coordinator, he points towards the head coach. And then the head coach, he points towards the owner who made the whole thing possible, right? Well, in the perfect relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, what happens is this, is that the test, the Holy Spirit help that you're giving is always pointing towards Jesus Christ. Always. Invariably. Because that's what the Holy Spirit came to do. He came to make sure that the church, the hands and feet of Jesus, would continue that good work that Jesus started through the life of broken, messed up, challenged individuals called Calvary Chapel, Delray Beach, and the church. I love the people that he's brought together to do this. This is crazy to me. Listening to your stories, watching the growth in this church, watching what God has done... The only way that it can be explained to me is by the fact that Jesus Christ came, filled your life, changed your life, and that the Holy Spirit is just doing this amazing, massive, wonderful work. See, He does a work in putting a marriage back together so that that marriage that's been put back together, they can turn around and say, listen, there's a couple, they're a young couple, they're in trouble. And I think that we can come alongside them. I think we can help them out. You know, some of you here are in recovery. He knows, he knows you're in recovery. And you know what? Holy Spirit has been pointing you towards Jesus. And you've found that your higher power is not random. you found your higher power to be the God of heaven that sent His Son to die for your sins. And now what you want to do is you want to take that what's been given to you. Some of you guys here in our youth group, we've watched what the Holy Spirit does in your life. But he's done it. He's testified to you so he can testify through you. My guys that have graduated high school back there today. They've graduated high school. And we've watched God do a work and bring them out here the last few years. Why? 
because now we're going to start working with some guys in our community that are going to need some help. Now it's time to step up. There are things that God has done in the ways that the Holy Spirit, the help that He's given, has testified through you because this world needs Him. There's racism, there's division, there's violence, there's ugliness, there's vileness, there's backbiting. It's going back and forth. And what the world needs this, what the world needs is you, church. You're what the world needs. You're God's chosen method by putting his spirit inside of you. You're his chosen vehicle to go out into this world and shine some light. Man, is that what we're hoping? We go into this place, we're taking what God has done here, and now we're taking these bright shining lights into the middle of this community And man, I cannot wait to see what God is going to do. Why? Because he's testified to you. Now he wants to testify through you. To testify through us, what we have to do is we have to get out of the way. Right? When When Jesus came, John the Baptist said something very interesting. He said, I must decrease, he must increase. If we're going to watch God do the great work that he wants to do right now, It's a matter of us getting out of the way. So help is promised by the one who keeps his promises. No one knows your needs better than the helper. And the helper testifies to us so that he can testify through us. But there's a couple of more things. Look at chapter 16, verse 1. It says, These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you Listen, whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But if you think positively, you can have a big mansion, you can have a lot of car. No, it says, but these things I've told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you them because here's what's coming, church. Here's what's coming. Jesus is brutally honest with the disciples. He said, listen, I've spoken these things so that you're not made to stumble because there are going to be things that are going to try to trip you up. As you're walking this thing called the Christian life, as as you've seen God do a work in your life and turn your life around, there are always going to be things. And the closer you get to God's will, the more viciously the enemy is waiting. But the Bible says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so want you to understand what this says here is that it's his desire that you not stumble this brings us to the fourth point the helper will keep you standing the helper will keep you standing because the enemy is crouching like a roaring lion but he has to crouch and he has to hide but you have living inside of you all-knowing all-powerful you have the holy spirit god's spirit inside of you that desires to raise you up and keep you standing We've been studying this in the book of Ephesians, that the enemy is coming with his fiery darts. He's coming at you, man. Have you felt, have you ever felt that in your life where just, I think I'm getting this relationship thing with God. I think I'm understanding it. And then boom, something that happens that knocks you flat. God, I thought I was past that. I thought I was past that. The closer you get to God's will, you become public enemy number one and the reason for this is because that's when God has placed you in a position now to start affecting lives around you for all of eternity and the enemy hates it he hates every good work of God 
And so Jesus tells the disciples, listen, I want to be very clear with you. They're going to put you out of the synagogues. The very place you think you belong, you're going to get kicked out of. They're going to think that killing you is doing me a favor, but they don't know me. Because I want to keep you standing. Now, sometimes the way he keeps us standing, it's a little contrary <laughs> to the way that we think that we should be kept standing. I want to give you what I hope is a, a clear example of this as you stay in John 16, but now turn to Acts 7 just for a minute. And this is the story of one of Jesus' most devoted followers, a young man named Stephen. And Stephen is railing against the religious leaders. He's given them straight truth from the Old Testament. He's given them their own history. He's shown them he is not, he's not holding anything back. He's not pulling any punches. And it says in verse 44 of Acts chapter 7, this is like three-quarters of the way through Stephen's speech, he said, Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness. And he's preaching. And as he appointed, instructing Moses to make it according to the pattern that he had seen, which our fathers, having received it in turn, also brought with Joshua into the land possessed by the Gentiles, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers until the days of David, who found favor before God and asked to find a dwelling for the God of Jacob. But Solomon built him a house. However, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all these things? Listen to what Stephen says to them. Don't hold back, Stephen. Tell us how you really feel. He says, you stiff-necked, uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit, as your fathers did. So do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with loud voice, stopped the ears, ran at him with one accord, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now Saul was consenting to his death. Stop right there. Do you remember what we just read? Do you remember what we just read? They would be cast out of the synagogues. There's going to be a time coming that whoever kills you thinks that he's offering God a service. Don't you understand that this guy Saul, who we now know as the Apostle Paul, Saul gave the consent because he thought he was doing God a favor. There is nobody more religious than Saul of Tarsus. Nobody. He thought he was doing God a favor. Stephen has a glimpse and a vision of heaven. So let me ask you, church. Does God keep Stephen standing? 
Even though he falls down, even though he takes his last breath, does he keep him standing? Oh, you bet he does. But sometimes the way God keeps us standing and the way that God keeps us from stumbling is not the way that the world esteems. Yes, he has the power to deliver us from it, but sometimes he just gives us the strength to get through it. But all the while, if we're standing up, it is by the power of his spirit. And understand this, if you fall down, if you stumble, when I fail, I can tell you something invariably, 100%, when I fail, my failure is in the flesh. And when there's success, that success is by the power of the spirit. And when I take that success by the power of the Spirit and I start attributing it to myself, then that success reverts back to the flesh. You see how the whole thing works? The success is by the Holy Spirit. So at the end of the day, we're taking a look at the one who's testified to us so he can testify through us, and we are not to touch, as Pastor Chuck used to say, do not touch the women, do not touch the money, and do not touch the glory of God. Do not touch. God's desire is, is to keep us standing. I have a problem as a dad. And my problem is this. My son wants to learn how to ride a two-wheel bicycle. I have a problem with that. Because I know he's going to fall. I know when I'm first teaching him, he's going to fall. I'm his dad. It's not my desire to watch that happen. I'm trying to figure out every single way that I can run against him, but I'm not getting any younger. I'm trying to run, run beside him to make sure that he doesn't fall. I'm trying to start in the street and then point him towards the grass. So that if he falls down, he falls on the grass. But he's going to take some bumps. He's going to take some bruises. But it's never my desire as a dad to see him fall. And it's not God's desire to see you fall. And he's given you everything you need to keep standing. That's why Ephesians 6, we studied on Thursday night. He says, listen, put on the full armor. Because the enemy's coming at you with both barrels. And especially, folks, as God is moving this church, as he's moving us right now, expect that the enemy's coming. And expect this, the greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And it's during that moment where we get knocked down like Stephen did. Here's what happens. All right, you just get the small picture. All right, God takes a man's heart, Saul of Tarsus, completely turns it around, changes it. He writes half the New Testament, a lot of it from a prison cell. Not only that, but when the disciples are afraid in that moment, they leave. They leave. They disperse after Stephen is stoned. But guess what they do? They bring the gospel into every area they go. It's like wildfire, the way that God does it. His desire is for us to rise. His desire is for us to stand. His desire is for us not to stumble. Last point. Verse 4, chapter 16 of John. But these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. What we learn here is that Jesus doesn't tell them until it's time for them to know. And when Jesus tells them, it's the perfect time for them to know. Because God's timing is perfect, and the Holy Spirit's timing is perfect. So understand this, is that the Helper does things in His perfect timing. That's the last point. The Helper will always do things in His perfect timing. You thought it was high noon. That's how we're conditioned. That's how we're trained. Well, the deadline is this day. Well, if the deadline is this day and it doesn't happen, then the story's over. 
you know what? I see a book full of moments where, where uh, a man named Lazarus is sick. His sisters come and they say, hey, Jesus, our brother, the one that you love, he's sick. And what does Jesus do? Does he go right then and say, oh, God, my, my, you know, he's sick? No, 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 no. He says he waits a couple of days and then he goes. And when he gets there, Lazarus is dead. But it's because he waited that what happens is this, that instead of seeing a healing, what do they see? A resurrection. They see a resurrection because God does it in his timing. If you're waiting on something right now from the Holy Spirit, he might be doing something in your heart because understand this, that through the situation, we always want to get to the end of the situation. We always want to see the resolve in the situation. What God is always more interested in is what he is doing in your heart through the crisis. And his timing is always perfect. So the help that he gives you, you can trust. See, if you come to a point where you understand that he loved me so much that he gave his son to die on a cross for me, and that he loved me enough to give me his spirit, and his spirit even pursued me through all of the mistakes I made, through all the bad choices that I made, the Holy Spirit loved me enough, and he's still with me. Then we begin to trust that if something that doesn't happen the way that we planned, that you know what? I know you have a reason for this because your timing is perfect. I have no better illustration for that than my wife. I pretty much told God, I'm done with women. Done with them. Ladies, how many of you have ever been done with men? Anybody? Guys, how many of you have ever been done with women? All right, do not say amen. Don't shout it out. I'm just asking. All right, it's just a question. You didn't have to go. Okay, but, but you did. Okay, praise the Lord. Okay. <laughs> I was done with them. I had had a bad experience. I had the worst experience of my life with a woman. I told God I was done. I walked into CPR class in Davie of all places. I was living in Palm Springs. My wife was living in Boca. I walk into CPR class in Davie. And I'm like, God, I'm done with what? What have we here? <laughs> what have we here? And that was the beginning of God bringing one of the, great, the greatest blessing of my life. Amen. Amen. Folks, help is on the way. It's promised. The helper knows exactly what you need. The help that he provides is going to be perfect. He's going to do it in his timing, and he does not want you to stumble. You've got a Father in heaven that does not want you to stumble, that does not want you to fall down, no matter what it is you've been through. If you came into this place today, you've come into this place so he could say, you know what, I, to the one that came in feeling, you know what, I feel unloved, I feel like I've done something unlovable, he loves you. That's why you're here. And he wants to give you the help that you need. Through the ugliness, isn't it wonderful when help arrives? Isn't it wonderful when help arrives? With all of the bitterness and political posturing and all the garbage that we see on the internet, with Hurricane Harvey, we've seen the worst of humanity come out. We've seen people that are looting and taking advantage of others, but here's what else we've seen. We've seen the beauty of people coming together. I want to show you a couple of slides real quick. I want to 
to make sure that I set these up right. This guy, he had a uh, big rig, and um, Nick Sheridan, he drove nearly 200 miles with his big rig to help rescue those stranded in the floodwaters. It says, with the help of two other truck drivers, the three of them rescued more than 1,000 people. It's been something I hope I never experience again just because it's hard to see, Sheridan said, but we worked together and we drove through the streets in teams so that if one of us got stuck, we had each other to keep moving because you can't see where the gullies are. Church, that's us. We got each other. Next picture. This is uh, realtor Stephanie Fry offered up her own apartment to families who needed a place to stay. People walking down the streets with backpacks, trash bags of clothes, and babies on their backs. It's really hard for everyone, Fry said, as she was fighting the whole back to tears. I had to do something. Next. Check this out. This, this blew me away. Jim Mattress Mac, Mackinvale, owner of Gallery Furniture, has opened up several locations across Houston to help shelter the displaced. I decided we'd open the store and make it a shelter for all the people who were disaffected. We have these giant 24-foot box trucks that can get through five to six feet of water. We sent them out. We picked up 200 people. They were stranded on bridges. They were stranded in convenience stores. They were walking through the water with snakes, alligators, and we brought them out here. When he was asked, what is he going to do with the furniture, he said, we'll have a Harvey floor model sale or something. I'll come up with some shtick, he said. These people are nice. They're taking care of the furniture. Furniture's made to be sat on, slept on. It's just a product. It ain't going to hurt it. Next. Bakers at El Boyillo Bakery in Houston baked as much bread as they could to deliver to those in need. Next. Mark Holmes, a Houston Fire Department paramedic, worked nearly 50 hours shift assisting with Harvey relief efforts. His wife, Linda Holmes, snapped this photo after 50 hours the moment he came home and was welcomed by his children's warm hugs. Last. This group of neighbors formed a human chain to help a man escape from his flooded car. Gang, this is the church, man. This is the church. This is what God did for you. God went like this. He said, listen, John needs some help. Tom needs some help. Bill needs some help. And he said, listen, I want to reach out the hand. I want to help them. I want to bring them up so that here's what we do. God brings a longer chain and a longer chain and a longer chain and a longer chain. And here we are. We're holding hands together. And we're reaching out to people that are struggling and hurting and drowning. That's the church. And we have all the help we need to accomplish this task by the power of His Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.